Hey, everybody. Thanks, as always, for tuning into Front Row Knowles. KJ and I can't thank you enough for continuing to listen as we get into, I think, our 10th year of Front Row Knowles. Also, a special thanks to Seminole Boosters, who continues to support the program. The schedule is out. Quick reminder, your ticket and priority renewal deadline is April 18th. Great schedule, great optimism, great excitement about what's ahead in 2023. None of it's possible without Seminole Boosters. So to those of you who are members, thank you. To those of you who are not, log on to SeminoleBoosters.com to learn more. And now, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. KJ we're going to ask a lot of questions today, as we always do. I'm not sure that we're going to have good answers, but certainly for this time of year to have this media conversation, if nothing else, it's intriguing. I'm talking, of course, about conference home, conference future for Florida State, the whole can of worms that really it wasn't it wasn't opened by Florida by Michael Alford at the, the Board of Trustees meeting last week. But he did point out that a lot of us have been talking about this can of worms for a while now. Well, not only are we not going to have very many answers, I don't even think we're going to have an answer. <laughs> uh, secondly, I'm not sure we can even identify all the questions yet. And thirdly, you know, we're a week and a half away from spring ball and nobody's paying attention to it because of it. <laughs> it well, is truly a little different. We're less than a week and a half. I think they start Monday. Coach Norvell and staff will meet with the media this Friday. Um, yeah, the only thing that we're all in agreement of, and by all, I mean anybody that's associated with Florida State, whether internal, external, fan, alum, what have you, being $30 million to $40 million short on media revenue compared to your peers in the SEC and Big Ten, that is not a sustainable recipe. So something does have to change. And I don't know if uh, a, a difference in distribution could be worked out. I don't know why a Wake Forest or a Duke would volunteer to give up money so that FSU and Clemson could have more. I don't know who controls what in terms of how you cancel memberships and contracts and those types of things. But you're at the point, Tommy, where this is not peanuts anymore. This is real money of a real significance, and people are getting frustrated. And that's what uh, came to light for those who weren't aware last week. So Bob Ferranti, our Osceola Insider, will join us. We'll focus mostly on this topic today, uh, maybe a little bit more about uh, some other Florida State athletics happenings. But uh, Florida State and its future conference affiliation, that's the discussion today on Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Time now to open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And we say hello to our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. Bob is going to be polished as always, although in full disclaimer, he's already espoused his expertise at least two minutes longer than we really needed them since I forgot to hit record on this segment, but we're starting again. And Bob, the, uh, the, the shot heard around Seminole nation anyway, in terms of Florida state athletics was Michael Alford when he spoke to the university board of trustees last week and pointed out that FSU is really driving viewership and carrying more than its share of the load for the ACC media contract. 
and getting lapped by schools that are in the SEC and Big Ten. So as a starting point, I've always thought of the ACC as a gentleman's league, and they keep things behind closed doors, and Florida State clearly felt like it was time to go ahead and put this out publicly and, and draw some attention for it, which is exactly what they did. Yeah, the, the presentation of the Board of Trustees was very coordinated, very well thought out. It, it was delivered, I thought, incredibly well by Michael Alford. The message clearly is people watch Florida State. There's a lot of four million plus viewership games that the Seminoles play in. You know, not just one year, it's been consistent, even through some of those bad teams uh, over the last, since 2014, 15, 16, 17, and on and on. People watch Florida State. That's a credit to, to this great fan base and, and really to the enthusiasm over what's to come with the program. I, I, think, I think his point is very fair. And I think it was rooted in some level of frustration, but also let's move this process along. This, this consideration, discussion of unequal revenue sharing has been, been made you know, behind closed doors. As recently as a couple of weeks ago at the ACC meetings in Charlotte, this was a discussion topic. I think Michael Alford has had these discussions with President McCullough, Peter Collins of the Board of Trustees, and they've, this, this was not Michael Alford going rogue. It was him putting out a big statement in front of the Board of Trustees and what he knew was going to be recorded on YouTube. And a lot of people were going to end up seeing it, whether it was live. Or, or in the hours and, and days after. This was very much a message of Florida State can't survive $30 million in the hole against SEC Big Ten teams. What can the conference do about it, I think is, is the next huge question. What's realistic? Can ESPN throw in some more money? Does the, does the ACC want to even look into revenue sharing? What are the options? And that's kind of what we're all trying to evaluate now. What is realistic? Well, guys, I think we have to remember, too, this conversation started even before Commissioner Phillips came on board. This has been something that was raised even before Michael Alford came on board, even before Michael Alford got to the boosters. So let's just say this has been a three-year conversation. That's $100 million that Florida State is already behind. That's the urgency. It's not the, the 30 million a year. It's the three years you're already behind. And you can either throw up your hands and say, we're not going to pay attention to money, which means you can't compete, or you got to change something. And that's the message. And some people have taken it very well. Others, I'm sure, quietly, not so much. But you can't argue with the facts. And Here to your point, end. right, to your point, what does $100 million buy you? It, it buys you a football-only facility, which is what Florida State's trying to construct right now, in part through television revenues, in part through Comcast broadcasting the ACC network, in part through booster donations. And they're, they're in a fundraising phase. But like to your point, $100 million gets you to that building right now instead of you know you're still plugging away toward a goal I, I think there's a lot of different things you know we can go here like coach bowden found incredible success without a ton of money flowing through it was he could recruit the state of florida he could hire great assistant coaches 
He could build a program through sunshine, beautiful campus, all the things would develop college football players potentially into NFL players, but into good, you know, young men who did things in their walk of life. Now the the arms race has shifted to where the the numbers are truly out of hand, where there are, uh, to use Jim Phelps's term of, of gated communities, and he was once belonging to one in the Big Ten when he was at Northwestern. That was a gated community, and the SEC seems to be one too. The ACC is 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 not the most desired neighborhood, but I would say it still could be one at least in the short term. I think the the questions then become how do you make it more feasible for a Florida State to win ten games and be competitive and, and try to reach the playoffs year after year. And the same thing for Clemson. And the same opportunity could be there for Miami and Virginia Tech and any of these other football powers. This isn't just purely, I think, a Florida State Clemson argument, but currently it is because they play in these four million games. The ratings have been incredible. I, I think I think Alfred put this out there in a very, very um interesting way. But I, I thought also immediately the Clemson AD, uh, Graham Neff commented also later Friday night. So there was clearly a wingman for Michael Alford, and, and he he put out the message. And I think other ADs are going to start to jump onto it. And to be honest, the Clemson AD's comments were, if you want to look at them face-to-face, -face, his were much more poignant than even Michael's. And I think Clemson is just a, a little bit more geared as a fan base toward the SEC mindset of we truly want to be good at football. And if we're good at everything, if we're good at the other sports, great. Whereas I think the Florida State mindset is we want to be great at everything. We want to be great at all these sports. But the economics of college athletics is to be great at everything, the money has to flow from a football, men's basketball standpoint to make sure there's enough to retain the great head coaches, the great assistant coaches, to build the facilities that are needed for the student athletes to, to maintain that true level of excellence. Could go a million di different directions here, Bob. Uh, I'm going to start with this one. So FSU partnered with Clemson, if you will, here. Now, Miami is third when you look at the graphics that were displayed in terms of viewership. Do you think it's merely let's talk about the two teams that are at the top that have won national titles? Or do you think FSU is hitching itself to Clemson for any potential future conference change and would go there with or without Miami, even if it meant the end of that rivalry? And I know that's a lot because we're not close to a conference jump right now. I think the grant of rights, until we truly see the document, we have to take it for, for what we're told that it is. Your, your, your media rights are bound to the ACC until 2036. You know, the bummer is the ACC network was created and that grant of rights was extended from 2026 to 2036. So I think this is, this is a different conversation if that grant of rights wasn't, wasn't extended. Where does Miami sit currently? it's not nearly as prestigious of, of a program as it should be. It really can, you know, try to be better. I think they're trying to pour more money into Miami football, into Miami athletics. I still think Mario Cristobal might be a really, really good hire for them, especially if his recruiting and, and portal efforts pan out over the long haul. It's, it's hard to judge him on just one year, 
I don't see a, a realistic way for Florida State and Clemson to bail on the ACC short term. I think the leverage point is what Alfred put out there on Friday, which is we are a program that people are watching. We need more revenue. I think what I would maybe disagree with is he's saying, I don't think he said this directly, but indirectly, we might need to get more money from a Duke or a Wake Forest or a program that is not being watched as much. My argument might be, might be on the flip side, go to ESPN and say, ESPN, you know Florida State and Clemson equal ratings. These are two programs that deserve a sweetener and above that say $42 million that all the schools get. What is the plus that you can give to a Florida State and a Clemson? And it's clearly not going to be $30 million plus. But is it enough to make a Florida State or Clemson happy short term to be more competitive, retain coaches, build buildings, et cetera, et cetera? I, I don't know if that's truly the reality. But I think when you get all these presidents and chancellors in the room, how are you going to get 14 people to agree to take less money? I don't think anybody's really going to sit at the table and say, oh, we'd love to do that. They're just not. But if ESPN can come in and say, well, this is the roadmap to getting FSU more money, getting Clemson more money, getting the ACC football champion, maybe a prize amount, maybe the champion gets more money somehow. Are these potential options when you kind of look at just the revenue that could happen? Hey, Tommy, can I vehemently disagree with Bob? Is that allowed in our contract? It Let's is. Let's do it. Let's do it. That, that's a great premise, Bob, but it won't hold water. Why would ESPN may pay more than they have to? They're under contract till 2036. They're nice guys, but I don't think they're millions of dollars worth of nice guys and gals. See, this, th this is where I think, and also ESPN, if they're behind the – behind the curtain driving the SEC to pluck Clemson and FSU or whoever, the schools left behind in the ACC uh, could get their lawyers on speed dial and, and try to litigate some things with ESPN over the destruction of the conference, right? This is where to me, and, and culturally, it's not where Florida State needs to go, but the Big Ten is no longer ESPN. It's all Fox. And Fox has no presence in Florida, and Fox has no contractual obligations to the SEC. Uh, or any of those schools or the ACC. So they could go, uh, in other words, they can tamper is what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 they can legally tamper. I think first, is what I'm you heard it here first. And, and I'm not saying that would be the great, uh, ultimately the big 10 may pay more than the SEC. It's paying more than the SEC right now, but, and it would be fine in football. You'd have some cold weather games. It'd be a disaster in baseball. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why that's not the perfect fit, but I, I mean, I can make a pretty good case though, that, that the big 10 and Fox could steer this more than ESPN can. That's got to kind of sit there with its hands tied a little bit or a lot. And there's a lot of look-ins, you know, as, as Alfred mentioned, there are conference look-ins through these various TV deals. It just so happens the ACC goes out the longest into 2036. I think he said a couple of these conferences, the agreements come up not once, but twice within that window, you know, before Florida State might get a chance to, to look in at 2036. You know, we've, we've kind of hit on these some topics through the past years. The only real way to look into this uh, ACC ESPN TV contract is to add a brand name school, 
such as a Notre Dame. We don't think it's a West Virginia. It could be an Oregon or Washington, but unlikely from geography. There's really no way to jump into these contracts without adding a school of such prestige and value. And it hasn't happened yet. The other thing I would just say about the grant of rights and, and why might Florida State challenge it, it's a 10-year-old document signed by, I presume, John Thrasher and Board of Trustees members who were part of that board truly 10 years ago. Richard McCullough has no true obligation. He, he didn't make that deal 10 years ago. Michael Alford wasn't here 10 years ago. Peter Collins is the Board of Trustees chair. He wasn't here 10 years ago. So if they want to get their lawyers together and, and look and see what the options are, they can because it's not it's not their legacy of I made this decision 10 years ago and call it a mistake or not, but they're not beholden to that decision from I made it. It's just it's the history of Florida State, the league schools and the ACC. So there is an opportunity, Tom, like you said, the lawyers could get together and look into this thing and see what they could uh, litigate or, or try to go to mediation. We've reached the, I'm the John Swafford apologist point of the program. Sorry, FSU fans. <laughs> here's, here's the real question. Here we go. You play the, you play the hand you're dealt. If Mike Slive and Greg Sankey had the collection of schools that are in the ACC, do you think there's an ace up the sleeve and suddenly the ACC is getting paid $30 million more a year than the SEC? No. People care about SEC football and people don't care about ACC football. I thought it was telling when you look at the, the graphics that, that Alford shared, the, the bottom four of the bottom five, Duke's at the dead bottom, Wake Forest is second to last, North Carolina is fourth from last, and NC State is fifth from last. And that's the ACC. That's half of the original members. And then if you look at the schools that Swafford added, which was Pitt and Syracuse and Louisville, they're all either in the first top half or closer to the top half, which is not to say they're home runs, but to say compared to what's been in the ACC, they care about basketball. They play it 365 days a year. They've spent more on football, but nobody else is watching. They're just not named brands. I think that's to Philip's point is – every school needs to evaluate how can they improve at football you know even even duke hired mike elko you know a, a guy who has a private school background as a as an assistant coach got him back from texas a&m to duke how how are you investing in your football facilities how are you investing in your football coaches your assistant coaches to retain them to make them better we and, and again i think we discussed this a few weeks back too you know phillips does not want to see ACC schools playing a group of five on the road and potentially losing that diminishes again what people think of the ACC opponents. It, it has to have a feel of as many ACC opponents are competitive, whereas I think this, this national um, image is every SEC win is valued because every SEC opponent is put up on a pedestal. That's not truly the way it is. But I think part of it is just how maybe in part ESPN spins it, the SEC network spins it. We, we need to get to the point where the ACC is better in that middle tier. You're always going to have a lower tier, but need to be better in that middle tier. Looking at you, Miami, Virginia Tech, North Carolina has had some good years, but also inconsistent years. 
just need to be more and more. It'd be great if Wake Forest and Dave Clawson were not Wake Forest. If Dave Clawson was the head coach at, at Pitt and potentially winning division titles, you know, these last five years, that would have been better and better. But because Wake is the smallest power five school, it just doesn't resonate nationally like it should. So I, I think the ACC, ACC just has some of these inherent issues, but they have to get better at football. It's, it's just got to happen. All right, we'll take you know, a break. We'll, hold on, hold that thought. Okay, Keith, let's okay. take a break. We'll come back with more. I'll, I'll explain how you, how you get out of this mess. I've got the simple solution. It's not very simple, but I'll share it right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom Block, Keith Jones, our Osceola insider, Bob Ferranti. Keith, I cut you short there. Go ahead and finish up your thought. Well, I was just going to say, you know, as we went to break, I don't know how you ever get past. My listeners know I'm very simple-minded. I don't know how you get past the fact that Vanderbilt gets $30 a year more than Florida State and Rutgers gets $38 more a year than Florida State. If you just use that as a starting point. It's almost like you have to tear everything down completely and start all over because that just can't be. And that leads to the magic button, which appears to be, to me, having not been in the room where you can't even pick up a document and read it, and I have no idea what's actually in the grant of rights. But at some point, there's 14 schools in the league. I don't know that Notre Dame gets a vote. Maybe they do. But if you, the point is, if you can get eight of those schools to say we no longer want to be in the ACC – that's a majority and you no longer have an ACC and you take those eight schools, maybe it's 10 and you form a league and it'll be like Prince. You'll be the, the, the conference formerly known as the ACC and you cut out the dead weight and you go back to the table and get at least the same contract. But in that standpoint, you've got more better inventory. So you get more and you're dividing by fewer heads. And in other words, sorry, Duke, sorry, Wake Forest, sorry, Boston college. And we can argue over which other three aren't coming with, but that to me, and it would be painful. These are longstanding relationships, but nobody's going to kick somebody out of the league. So instead you just take who you want and go start another league. That seems to me to be the only way. Well, and another, I would, I would suggest again, not having read the contract, but another way based on how it's been explained to me is for ESPN to just cancel the contract with the league, pay whatever that penalty is and wait and see what happens. But either, or, is a truly monumental uh, endeavor and not, not necessarily clean and maybe even fraught with a little bit of downside. But yeah, I think it's going to take something monumental. There's no question. Bob, you were shaking your head. What do you think? I mean, I don't, I don't see how well, bottom line, it doesn't matter if you think you've got a slam dunk out on the grant of rights. If you go to court, there's a chance you lose. And if you lose, you're talking about, 600 million, 700 million, if you do it right now, potentially. That's just based on what Texas and Oklahoma are paying to get out one year early. So if Florida State was to try and do that and litigate it 13 years early on top of the 120 million they'd owe the league, if you lose, and then you're also going to end up paying the ACC's legal costs too, right? So it's a heck of a roll of the dice to take. And I'm not a lawyer, but that would be my thoughts on it. 
Right. I, I keep going back to the original premise I've had is that ESPN loves Florida State because Florida State is ratings. Will ESPN want to make sure that a Florida State doesn't jump to a conference that they do not control the media broadcast rights? You know, for example, is that the Big Ten? Is that somewhere else? Whatever. Um, you know, to your question about Vanderbilt, I don't think the SEC wants to pay Vanderbilt $72 million a year. I think at some point they're going to speak up and say, with cord cutting, with all of our budgeting, with we have to be more selective in who we pay and what we pay. I think at some point ESPN says to the SEC, we're not paying Vanderbilt 72. We're just not going to do it. We would rather pay Florida State 72 because we know that's ratings. We would rather take care of Clemson. ESPN will want to, I think ESPN and Fox will eventually figure out a way how they can get bigger control of what conferences look like. Is this the start of super conferences or the continuation? If you want to feel like Southern Cal and UCLA was, was a, a big, big domino, is this another domino? Again, I don't think we can, we can see Force Air Clemson getting out of the granite rights, but to Keith's question, what if ESPN just says, we're ready to blow this thing up? and blow it up in our vision of this is what a conference should look like because these are the schools that people want to watch. And this is a conference where not as many people want to watch it. We'll still broadcast it, but we're not going to pay them nearly as much as what they were making the last however many years. Keith, you're shaking your head, but you're not reacting. I'm just, you know, I, I'm sitting here going, well, okay, uh, what if uh, what if 40 schools said we're leaving the NCAA and we're joining the playoffs or whatever you would call that conference or 60 schools? I mean, it's going to take, it would appear, it is going to take something very monumental in order for this to get realigned because, you know, moving the little chess pieces is, is just too slow and too complicated. Um, and that, that's just an interesting thought to me. Well, it feels like lots of monumental things are happening just over the last five years, Keith, from cost of attendance, which seemed like a big deal at the time. And now it seems like we were arguing over pocket change. Well, we weren't arguing, but the NCAA was standing in the way over pocket change, right? Now you got NIL. Now you got multiple lawsuits out there. Uh, that ultimately may result in a ruling that that student athletes need to be employees, which that breaks up everything. I mean, that, I think that takes most half the ACC is not going to want to play at the top level at that point. They're going to want to play the Ivy League brand, I would think. If there's well, going to, I mean, it seems like that I, would force a divide. Mm -hmm. And I go back to you know what created all this. For our listeners, or you know, haven't just haven't followed college football as long as maybe some of us have when, when Georgia and Oklahoma sued the NCAA over television contracts and the Supreme court ruled that schools could enter into their own agreements. This was an 85 plus or minus. That's what created this 10, 12, $15 billion thing we've got right now. Might it be a court case or a Supreme court decision? Might it be, an action by Congress. Uh, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember that when Major League Baseball was threatened with the um, elimination of their antitrust status by Congress, you know, free agency came about and 
you know, some things really changed at the major league baseball level. What is the, what is the thing air quote thing that makes this move? I wish we could predict it. It would be, uh, it would be something to be able to be a consultant seller. Well, the, the silly season just got here earlier this year, Bob, because normally this is a May, June, July conversation, but we're having it, we're having it in February. And as the calendar rolls into March, I guess in our last few minutes, maybe anything else you want to add on this? We don't have answers to it. I, I do think it certainly got the ACC's attention. It certainly got national sports media's attention that, uh, that Florida State did announce to the world, hey, we're, we're still out here. We're relevant. Here's what the ratings show. Don't forget about us, as, especially if the Pac-12, we haven't touched on that. I mean, if the Pac-12 doesn't get a TV deal done, Bob, that may be it on the Pac-12. I mean, half the schools may head to the Big 12, and that would leave Oregon and Washington awaiting the Big Ten's call. So, I mean, a lot of do- that may be the reason for the timing on when this was, it's not leaked. Really, all Florida State did was say publicly what a lot of us have been saying for a lot of years in, in sports conversations, right? Right. I think Michael Offord even said, you know, to the board of trustees that maybe in the next couple of weeks, that Pac-12 deal will be announced, whoever it's with. Is it a streaming deal with Apple or, or something else? It's probably going to be way below market value. And then we're going to maybe start to see what's the free-for-all. I know the Big Ten schools uh, will want Oregon and Washington. Is there a shot that the ACC schools make a run at anybody is there anybody of value, again, that lets you look into that television contract? Is there anybody that gets you ahead of $42 million-ish you know, per year right now? The answer is probably no, unless it's an Oregon or unless it's a Washington. I, I think we're, we're, we're kind of going to be watching and just kind of waiting for what that next domino is. I, I think that's unfortunately where, where we're kind of at right now. Two last things from my point, guys. Uh, and again, not solutions, but you know, I've not studied the uh, contract between ESPN and the ACC. I've been told that if the ACC expands, whatever that means, is that just Notre Dame? Would that be Oregon and Washington? Is it two schools? Is Whatever that is, might that trigger a renegotiation? All right, that's one element. The other part, and Tom and I were talking about this off the air before we, uh, you came on, Bob, but I want to make sure, I don't know what the exact number is, but I want to make sure our listeners understand that, you know, General Counsel Egan was asked the question, what is the penalty for leaving the conference? And basically the answer is three times the conference's annual budget, which right now is somewhere plus or minus 40 million. So that becomes 120 million. That is not the full cost. That is just the exit fee from the conference. You still have the grant of rights at $42, $44 million a year, which would in fact change. If FSU paid the 120, went to the SEC, started getting the 70, the 70 goes to the ACC. It does not go to Florida State's coffers. So you're going to pay $120 million termination fee, and then you're going to go without television revenue for 13 years. That's that's why I say it's such it's such a big roll of the dice, even if you're ninety nine percent certain you've got the legal standing to, to go that route. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, that, that's why my my plan is the uh, the conference formerly known as the ACC. 
just get eight, seven other schools to go with you. Well, because another thing, you know, you're kind of in limbo in between, right? You need to play against somebody. So you got to have some other schools to play until you, uh, or so just establish your own conference. Let me ask this. I, I was going to go to other Florida State sports, Bob, but we'll, we'll have a chance to talk about them, or Keith and I will, will hit some high points there. We're not there yet. Florida State may not make the playoff this year. Maybe there's too much hype. But let's say they do make the playoff this year or next. Don't win a national title. And then all of a sudden, prayers are answered and they're in a different conference. Are we going to look back at this 30-year period and say the ACC was a bad decision when FSU basically ruled the conference, won three national titles, was at the top of the league, ended up in the SEC? Are, are we going to look at that three-decade period and say, well, they should have been over here because they would have won more? Because I would argue they might have won less. Everybody always presumes FSU would be Alabama in the, AC, in the SEC, but they might be Auburn. So I'm just curious, whenever, whenever that ends for Florida State, how we'll look back at that. And I guess the time to ask that question is when it ends. But I'm asking you now. <laughs> I think the, the only answer I could offer is at that time in the early 1990s, a lot of smart people were in rooms asking these questions. Is it better to jump in the ACC? Is it better to jump in the SEC? The obvious reason to go to the ACC was academic excellence, all sports excellence, and the roadmap through college football to, toward a, a national championship was far easier for Florida State. And you also have to say Florida State beat a lot of really good programs, including some SEC schools, you know, en route to those national championships. Was it the right decision or the wrong one? I'd argue it's the right one, but I know a lot of people would say, well, the fan base is more Southeastern centric. It would have made more sense. Also, Florida would have fought a Florida State inclusion into the SEC. There's just so many different, you know, implications of, of kind of the argument. But in the end, I think, it, I think it was a good call for that time, early 1990s. Well, guys, I would just remind us, and again, I wasn't there, but I've talked to two people that were there. One's deceased, the late Bob Goyne. The other one is, is Wayne Hogan. And it's not a question of whether Florida State made the right decision. They made the only decision. They were never offered by the SEC. And the only offer on the table was the ACC. Now, it's arguable you could have resisted or rejected the ACC offer. And maybe the SEC would offer the next year or the next year or the next year. But as has been explained to me, there was no choice because there was no offer from the Southeastern Conference at the time the decision was made to join the Atlantic Coast Conference. This is kind of like the Lane Fenner catch, KJ, depending on which side you're on, because the SEC would tell you that there was an offer, right? It's just like Florida fans would tell you that, that, that he was out of bounds and will forever argue. And I wasn't there either, just for the record. for the Well, let's Fenner just catch. put it this way, Tommy. There was no marriage because one party didn't think they were asked. Right. Even if right. the other party thought they were. Yeah, it's a good point, KJ. The last point, we'll let you go, Bob. I, I don't know exactly when the, uh, the axis changed, if you plotted it out, but for the 90s, and I want to say up until 2004 or five, the ACC actually distributed more media rights revenue than the SEC. And then it was in the, the early- Because of basketball. Right. And then, and then that changed. So it wasn't like the AC, when that decision was made, whether there was an offer or not, 
it wasn't like they looked at it and said, oh, the SEC is paying twice as much. Let's join the ACC. The ACC was actually distributing more, but the distributions weren't nearly the size they are now. All right. I'm tired. Bob, thanks for not clarifying anything. We appreciate it. I do what I can. Take care, guys. For more of the lack of clarification on FSU's conference future, go to the Osceola. Appreciate it, Bob. Take care. Our Osceola insider. All right. Keith and I will be back to uh, try to wrap things up here in a moment. Stay with us. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, it's a few minutes to, to finish up. Keith. You know, we didn't really talk about it in great detail uh, with Bob. And I think it's because, well, we didn't mention it. I'll mention it now. I think we all see unequal revenue sharing as a Band-Aid when you need 42 stitches. I mean, it, it might help for a little bit for a year or two, but it's not going to solve the problem until 2036. I'm making a presumption here. Do you agree with that? I wholeheartedly agree with it. I, yeah. I can't see the ACC continuing in any capacity Apologies, but any capacity uh, without a significant change, either adding two or four or six schools or a group of, as you've pointed out, a group of the schools deciding to leave together and therefore disbanding the conference. Um, I don't think there is, other than major surgery, a way to fix this thing the way it's laid out right now. Yeah, it is major. And what I'm going to throw out there is really just FYI for our listeners, because it too would be a Band-Aid. It would not be major surgery. But but one place where Florida State, and I don't know the dollar figure, I'm going to suggest it's a couple million a year. The, with, with the ACC footprint expanded over the years, the schools that are the outliers, Syracuse, Miami, FSU, that have to travel by plane compared to being eight miles apart like Duke and Carolina are or NC State or Wake Forest – all of which, or Virginia or Clemson, those schools play each other without flying. They bus everywhere for every sport. If you had pulled your, your travel expenditures across all sports, FSU would save money on that because they're spending two or three million more a year, I guarantee you, just on baseball or whatever, if you add the sports up. But again, that's a Band-Aid fix. I mean, the ACC could look at that. I don't even think Florida State's – it'd be an accounting nightmare. It would be a small Band-Aid fix if you went that route. But that is where there is some disparity as well. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and, you know, again, right now, today, the only thing that could be done is for the league to determine an unequal distribution, because everything else is going to get a litigated and then it's going to get countersued and it's not going to be clean and it's not going to be simple. Well, if something was done today, you're probably three years away from even knowing if that would work and what the ultimate cost would be. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, interesting. And this this is not a story that's going away anytime soon. Okay. Just a couple minutes left. Want to uh, congratulate uh, Florida State freshman basketball phenom Tania Latson on the women's team, all ACC first team, the ACC rookie of the year, the ACC all freshman team. Uh, just a really talented player with a huge future ahead and could well be the, the first FSU ACC player of the year before her time's done on the, on the women's side. Uh, also, uh, Michaela Timpson, uh, most improved player. 
made the All-ACC second team and the All-ACC defensive team. So kudos to Brooke Wyckoff and company. Didn't get the job done on Sunday. That was an important game, but now they'll head into the postseason. They certainly have exceeded expectations already, and I wish them the best of luck. They've put a great product on the court. Uh, men's basketball with a huge comeback win over Miami. They did stub their toe against Carolina. Uh, a couple more games remaining for them. Uh, we got a baseball team back in the top 20, um, at least in some polls. Uh, that was good to see Florida State taking the series from TCU and, and the softball team. I mean, they're at 87 wins already, aren't they? They, they play 17 games a day, and they win 16 of them, it seems like. They do. I'll mention uh, you're talking baseball. The baseball team is back at it today against USF, and then I think it's Florida Gulf Coast coming in this weekend. So uh, good start for Link Jarrett and company. I watched a decent amount, maybe half the, the ball game on Friday night. Uh, and I went to the opener. Other than that, I've not seen the baseball team play that much, but uh, they seem to be playing relaxed. And uh, that was a, that was not an insignificant win to, to get that'll that'll help them all the way down the line to to win a a series on the road against a team that was in the top ten. That will definitely help with the RPI as this season unfolds. Well, it also helped with the confidence. I and mean, when Link was on a couple of weeks ago, you know, he was talking about the unknowns. And one of the way you one of the ways you prove the unknowns is by putting them out there and seeing what they do. You know, you haven't had a pitcher go out and throw seven and a third in, innings of two-hit ball. Uh, you know, that may never happen, uh, given the way the game is now. But everybody getting an opportunity, particularly the pitching staff, um, to show what they can do against some quality opponents. And we haven't talked a lot of men's basketball, but uh, and I know Monday night didn't go well. But that was, that was a terrific moment for Matthew Cleveland and company well, and no. Leonard. I mean, uh, you know, I, again, I know you're not going to look back at this season uh, very fondly. Uh, whether you're outside the program a fan or inside the program. But that, for that moment in time, that will go down as a pretty memorable moment for Florida State. Best comment was you'll never, ever turn off the FSU Miami basketball game at halftime going forward. <laughs> well, we should have known that from the XRM days, right? All right, we are, <laughs> we're out of time. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.